Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm sitting on the floor with my dog, patting him, crying. And Steve walks out of the out of the bedroom, goes, "You're crying on the dog." <laughs> Someone said to me, "Um, in about eleven years' time or whatever, yeah. um, you can have a baby with this man." <laughs> I would have just said, "Shut up." <laughs> I got a lot of heat, a lot of heat. It was a real kick in the guts for me because I was so excited. Of course. <laughs> and then I was like, "Oh, so what? I can't talk about it because I'm an older mother." Hi, I'm Keshni Kemp and I'm the editor of Who Magazine. This is our podcast, Raw Talks. Raw and unedited, we'll peel back the layers to reveal the friend, the mum, the wife, the partner, the person behind the brand. This week on Raw Talks, we speak to Michelle Bridges. Michelle talks about changing perception after being labelled a ball buster, falling in love with the commando and how becoming a mum at 45 changed her life. Michelle Bridges, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to sit and just have a raw chat. <laughs> <laughs> so you made your big TV debut in 2007 on The Biggest Loser. Yeah, surely, I guess it would be about, about then, yeah. Surely you couldn't have predicted how big that would be, that show. No, well, I hoped, yeah. but I didn't ex- have any real expectations. I just wanted to get the gig. Mm-hmm. I'd seen the American show and I, when I saw it, uh, singing in my lounge room, I thought, I can do that job. I want that job. <laughs> Not really thinking that it would ever come to Australia. And, yeah. uh, and they did it very quietly. They just put their feelers out into the fitness world, very, um, underground, so to speak. Uh, so nobody knew that they were casting. I just got a phone call. Uh, I think what had happened was they perhaps went to, you know, some some of the hierarchy within the fitness world and sort of said who's who in the zoo, mm-hmm. and uh, they, and my name I think I think that's kind of how it happened is got thrown into the ring, mm-hmm. um, and it was around about four and a half months of um, auditioning, mm-hmm. and in the end I was just going. Put me out of my misery. Just tell me, yes, <laughs> did I no, get it or because not? Because <laughs> I can't stand this anymore. I just had all these um, different auditions. I kept on going back and going back, and they really only looked at probably four girls and maybe about six guys. And Shannon and I kept being the common theme that kept turning up. So we would look, and I knew him mm-hmm. very well. We'd lived together. We'd flattered together <laughs> back in the day. Right. So we just sort of said, look, let's just try and have – chemistry, which we had naturally because we knew each other so well, Mm -hmm. um, and just see if we can hang tight and and get this gig. And was it what you expected when you got on there? It was bigger than I expected. Mm -hmm. And mind you, I'd never been on a big television show before. And when it started, um, it was probably one of the biggest shows of the day. Mm. So walking in, I mean, I'd worked on Carrie Ann uh, as the fitness expert there for a couple of years. So that that was cool, you know, going to a TV station and working with someone like Carrie Ann, like, wow, what a jet. Mm-hmm. She's such a pro. Yes. And I have such respect for her. Um, but then walking onto a set where there were just hundreds of cars and crew and cameras and jibs and set and 
Oh, it's cast of thousands as mm-hmm. far as just the crew. Um, and we were the talent and, but not so much as the contestants. We were kind of still part of the crew too, which was really cool because yeah. you just felt like you were part of this amazing gang. Yes. Uh, and it was just phenomenal. And I've worked in television before. I worked in Carrie Ann for a couple of years, probably just after you were there. And, um, I know that in television, we kind of, want to shape these characters to, that are on the show because that we have these specific kind of ideas of how we want the show to go and that's kind of the way it always has been with television and reality TV. Did you feel like you kind of became a character on the show that you were or you were just as true to yourself as you could possibly be? I tried to stay as true to myself as I could <laughs> but they were looking for someone that was a bit of a butt kicker. Yeah. They wanted that. And, hey, I can do that mm-hmm. but it's not everything in my – collection of goods as Mm -hmm. far as what I bring to the table as a trainer. You know, my craft has a lot more to it than just kicking butt. Mm -hmm. Um, And sure, that sometimes is a part of it and it's it's a fun part of it, but they they definitely, I feel as though that was um, amplified probably more than than I realised at the time. Yes. Um, But now, you know, fast forward 13 years later, maybe, yeah, about that, there's still a bit of a hangover that I have to kind of wear Yeah, that people think when I walk into a room or when they have me or uh, as a guest or, um, you know, even on Dancing with the Stars, I turned up and I started talking to all the other celebrities on the show. They were like, you are so not what we thought you were going to be. And I'm like, what did you think I was going to make you all do push-ups? <laughs> not on the first date anyway. <laughs> like it was – so I kind of – and I think the perception has – changed Mm -hmm. but it's taken a while it is hard work when you're kind of pigeonholed that way because i you know you have a career after that so you have you know you started 12 week um challenge and you there are other things you do as well as speaking and things like that so you i guess for you it would have been work to try and encourage people to see you better see you different not better, just different as well just me yeah um and just that 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 there's so many facets to a person that you Mm -hmm. can't just think that that's who they are all the time and steve sort of has the same thing too mm-hmm. because he was really sort of cast as a bit of a character because at the start he was to he was told you will have you have to wear sunglasses and you're not to talk to anybody on set um and that, as in cast as well and every, like a crew and everyone uh, as well he, yeah pretty much the crew wow. too yeah because he only came in and out at the start yeah. it, it changed over uh, as it evolved over the over the time mm-hmm. um but at the start, he was told specifically on the first day of set that he walked on set because Shannon and I didn't know about him. He was a secret trainer. <laughs> um, and he'd just come out of the army too. i just come out of special forces. So he was, um, the, di- he was very different then to who he is today mm-hmm. as well in, mm-hmm. in who he is as a man. Yeah. Um, but he, he played that character very, very well. And I remember he walked up the driveway and I said to Shannon, because it was all supposed to be a bit of shock and awe, you know, for us as well and the contestants. I said, who the hell is this? He goes, I don't know. So he just walked up, sunglasses, crossed arms, stood next to me, and um, they said cut. So then they regrouped the cameras and so on. So while they were doing that, I just went, g'day. (laughs) And he just ignored me. (laughs) He just ignored me. And I was like, oh, my God, who is this who is this guy? Oh, my God. If How someone awkward. had said to me, I'm oh, so awkward. If someone had said to me, um, in about 
11 years' time or whatever, yeah. um, you're going to have a baby with this man. <laughs> I would have just said, shut up. <laughs> so then it wasn't like sparks at first no, sight. <laughs> definitely not. You know, he pulled up in a Hummer. It was all, like I said, shock and awe. He pulls up in a Hummer, still in his camo gear, glasses, don't talk to anyone. He was told. <laughs> so, yeah, that was kind of fun. So he was definitely cast. Yes. Um, but uh, but I think that that's changed for him now too. People and it did change over the course of the show. That mm-hmm. sunglasses came off. He became more of um, an intrinsic part of the cast as far as the trainers were concerned because he was really good at it. I guess really that's part of it, it too. Once you kind of establish yourself and what you're capable of doing and the connections you have with people, you get a little bit more say. You know, like you could probably have a little bit more say in what kind of ish of what you would oh, yeah. do, and you know. I, I mean, look, it was a real. Sometimes we, I'd have to go in. Uh, Shannon would have to go in, or even Steve would have to go in. Or even Tiffany at times, um, we'd have to go in and sort of have do our battle against yeah. uh, production and mm. what we wanted um, because they were there. Obviously, it's entertainment, right? Yeah. It's a show. Yeah. So they've got to get what they've got to get, but we've got to get uh, what we need to get, but we need to have trust mm. with our contestants. So if we were to come in and suddenly, you know, we've got the camera on them and we're, you know, ha- trying to drill into, you know, their, their, their inner demons – and we do that within five points, you know, three seconds of walking on to, into the gym. Mm. They know where what they're what we're up to. Yes, like and they 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 close up. Yeah. So I would say to them, give me twenty minutes of training. I just need to train them. I just need to get them in and going, and then and then just see what comes from that. Mm-hmm. So I had to kind of have my. Yeah, to balance the real muscle up against some of the production producers. I used to call them clipboards. Listen, clipboards. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I was that tough trainer after all. (laughs) Clipboards. Just give me twenty minutes before, and then I promise you, you will get something. Mm. I promise you. Well, when you're getting the root of someone, when you're getting down to problems that are deep and they're long seated and all of those things, you do need more than five minutes. Come on. We spoke about Steve just now. Steve Willis, your um, husband, and you met him in 2013. What was it? Well, you, you know, you became, we were together in 2013. Yeah. You met him obviously at the start of the show. What yeah. was it about him that captured you? Ah, uh, look, I think we both, um, we both come from similar backgrounds, uh, even down to our childhood, mm-hmm. uh, even down to our family structure, uh, even down to, to heartache in our childhood. So that, was a was something we didn't really find that out until later, but right. it's I think that there's a kindred spirit. We both had full respect for each other in the industry, and we both had come out of some a, a harsh or well, hard, you know, relationship breakups, and we kind of I guess had that in common. Mm. Um, and you know, at first we were just kind of supporting one another in not. In, in nothing other than just mates. Yeah. And then it kind of went from there. Like I guess I'm probably not the only person that that's ever happened to. I'm sure yeah. that that's how many relationships have come together. Mm-hmm. That that deep foundation and understanding of each other's roots yeah. in relation to that. Did you think then when you met him that you – did you think babies? Was babies something you'd always thought about? Because uh, I'd been in a relationship yeah. before Steve and that relationship was for nine years, mm-hmm. so it was a substantial amount of time. And it, that was really in that relationship is when my career really took off. Mm. So when my career really took off is right around about that 35-year-old age. So it was just Couldn't the, do it all. that's just how the planet, just how the dice rolled for me. Mm-hmm. So it was there always in the back of my mind that maybe should I – 
would it be is this going to happen for me and the the honest truth of it was I was never really maternal mm-hmm. I loved my career I loved my job and I and I never really had that instinctual oh my god I need to have a baby and I've spoken to so many women about this and I know I'm not alone oh, there no, either absolutely but then again at the same time you sort of think ah oh, am I is it going to be something that I might regret or Maybe it is inside of me. I don't know. Uh, and my partner at the time, my husband at the time, said he he was seventeen years older than me, and he already had two grown up boys, men. Uh, so he'd sa- always said to me, "Look, Mish, if you want to, do it. Like, I, I mean, I'm not going to hold you back." But he never was really Pushing saying, "I want to." It was all going to be on my mm-hmm. choice, and I, I just didn't feel confident enough because I would just thought I'd, I kind of want uh, the person that I'm going to have a baby with to be going to Let's want to do this together. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, then, and again, I'm not making any judgment. No. I, this is my, you know, my choices mm-hmm. and how it rolled out for me personally. Mm-hmm. So it kind of just never happened. And, uh, and I just kind of thought maybe it won't. So when I was with Steve, he and he's a dad of, at the time, three children, uh, and he's a doting father, and he was—he's one of those guys. Unlike me, this is where a difference is for us. He—he um, he was born to be a dad. Loves it, mm-hmm. absolutely is in him. Oh uh, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. He's just got the knack. It's just there. It's just a very natural thing for him. And when he said, "Let's have a child," I was like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> okay, <laughs> I didn't have to even think about it. I was like, okay. So yeah, it was um, it was it was an exciting time. But I was at that time I was forty three. Mm-hmm. So it was yeah, exactly. Yeah. You go mm-hmm. yeah. Well, I mean, the thing is that I get I, it's so great that you had a baby at forty three, forty four. I was forty four when, when I fell. Yeah, gives- I know that I was forty five when we when I gave birth to him. When it did happen, um, and I spoke openly about it, I got a lot of heat. A lot of heat. Um, and it was almost like it was a real kick in the guts for me because I was so excited. Of course. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, so what? I can't talk about it because I'm an older mother and I, I felt pregnant what naturally. What were they saying? Uh, because I was, um, I was irresponsible. Oh. <laughs> God. Irresponsible for having a child at 44, falling pregnant at 44 naturally. I'm like, really? How is that irresponsible? Um, I'm not 16. Oh. I'm not a. I'm not a teen uh, mom. I'm a. I'm a grown woman. I'm not being irresponsible. It's just that I, I wanted to have a baby late, mm-hmm. and it happened that way. But you know, you can see it for what it is. It was. It, it was just you know, a bit of a, a beat up, I suppose. Um, it wasn't as though I was uh, saying that all women can have. A, a baby at 44 I just was lucky you didn't you weren't going out saying you must have a baby at 44 well, yeah I wasn't going out and saying wait until you're older yeah. because you can do it because just your some journey. women can't yeah. yeah we're all different yeah. and that's just how it rolled out for me and I feel very blessed and very grateful yeah and how did it feel holding him for the first time oh my god I just burst into tears <laughs> like the biggest wuss ever but I was crying before yeah right like I was I was bursting at the seams one night and I'm sitting on the floor with my dog patting him crying and Steve walks out of the out of the bedroom goes you're crying on the dog (laughs) I said I know 
because I just love him. I just love him so much. And I just, he's just my best friend. And those hormones. I was just ridiculous. And he goes, you need to pull yourself together. (laughs) And so that was the, like, from then on, I just, like, I'm literally crying now just talking about Axel. I've turned into the biggest biggest wimpy sook ever. I am the same. I can't oh. watch anything that's even slightly negative towards kids on, oh, no way. on movies or shows. No. I'm such a wuss now. I'm so soft. Yeah, no, I see I see movies and there's children. I'm like, turn it off. Yeah, not for me. Turn it off. Even I'm just out. general violence now just no, on movies can't deal with it. It's so bizarre, isn't it, how yeah. that changes you? And it does. Yeah, it it changes. Does. It's changed everything. Mm. Like I, I've become a bit of a stress head, mm. which I – I don't want to be that, but I worry about everything. Are you the kind of mum you th- you thought you'd be when you were pregnant? You were kind of envisioning what you'd be. Yeah, I kind of am. Mm. Like, um, I say that I worry about everything, but I don't. I try not to have that impact on allowing him to just have freedom mm. and uh, and run around and be nuts and and be a three and a half year old crazy kid that he is mm-hmm. and jump off. Um, slippery slides that are way too high and I think he's going to break an arm. Don't look. Just don't look. No, I'm the same. Mine is he's 20 months and he's running upstairs and going down slides like he's a big you boy. You just see every sharp edge. You every see every edge. every step. You see every – like it, you, you see it all you before it play happens. out the <laughs> scenarios <laughs> in your head like they're real as visions. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, as but I don't want to be that, you know, <laughs> you know that you hear the term helicopter. Yeah. And I don't want to be that. Yes. And I look at Steve and he's so chill. <laughs> he's like, he's fine, Mish. He's fine. Just let him go. He'll be like, he's swinging in when he was like um, 18 months on the swing. And I videoed it one one day and I posted it because he was swinging him so high that Steve, who's six foot four, was reaching up to push him. And oh I was like, hey, I can't. That is my baby in that swing. <laughs> and he's like, wee. <laughs> and Axel's going, higher, daddy, higher. I'm like, oh, my God. But, yeah, he, Steve's very chilled. So I'm fortunate that I can kind of look to him and because uh, he's had four of them. He's, ah, they bounce, Mish, they bounce. <laughs> That's right. And what are your non-negotiables when you're parenting? Like mine, I don't like to give him the iPhone at dinner. That for me, I mean, I know that it's cool. People do and you need, God, you need some silence when you're at dinner. But I just think that every time I go out, he's going to ask me, for it, so that's yeah. my my ultimate fear. What's yours? Um, we we'd never have the phones when mm-hmm. we're eating dinner at mm-hmm. home mm-hmm. ever. Uh, I get he gets minimal screen time, um, and that will stay the same. He's not getting an iPad. I have an iPad, it's mine, mm-hmm. and I've downloaded some Curious George and some ABC Kids stuff onto that, and I keep that in my cupboard. Yeah. And, it, and I have only used it. I've only used it maybe a handful of times on flights. Yeah. But um the other day we flew to we flew to the Gold Coast and he sat in his chair and played with Minnie and Mickey and his car. Oh, doesn't all that the way. bring you like the best joy? Like and it feels thought, like you've done something right, right? I thought <laughs> I could that? Yeah, yeah, because yeah. there was no screen on that yeah. um the 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 uh the plane that we were on and I had my phone with me but I thought I'm not giving it to him. We're gonna figure this out. And I just thought it was really good. Mm-hmm. So um yeah, minimal screen time. Uh, and I'm reading a book by David Gillespie called uh, Teen Brain at the moment, and I'm going to stand by these these this mm-hmm. stuff because it's um it's quite frightening. Oh, I should um, read that. I'm yeah, big into check that it out. stuff because I just I think that it's a slippery slope. It you is because the more they have it, the more they want it. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's I'm I'm dead set adamant. Oh, dead set. Can you believe I just said that? <laughs> dead set. Dead set. <laughs> 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 On um and manners. 
has to say please and thank you. Like I'm on him all the time, mm-hmm. and it's good because it's it's starting he's it's starting to get in. Mm-hmm. Um, he's starting to do it without me having to remind him now, which mm-hmm. is good. Um, he has to have green vegetables, whether we have them in a smoothie. Mm-hmm. Um, the other night I made. I can't believe he ate this. I was like, he's, Steve goes, he's not going to eat that. I'm like, let's just see. Let's just see. <laughs> I chopped up kale, broccoli, um, pistachio nuts. Uh, green apple um, and buckwheat mm-hmm. salad with some chicken cute, like some chicken I did on the barbecue and a poached egg on top. He ate the lot. Oh, my gosh. He wasn't really into it. He was like, I'm like, come on, just do it, just do it. Santa Claus is coming to town, remember? Because we started singing this song the other day, Santa Claus is coming to town. And then it says, you better not pout, you better not cry, you better not shout. I said, look, Santa doesn't mind if you cry. There's nothing wrong with crying. Just Sometimes, spoke to him. Santa said he doesn't mind. He doesn't mind if you cry. But it's the crying like, eh, ma'am, I don't want to eat. That's the crying he's meaning in that song. So I'm going, Santa Claus is coming to town, remember? And you said you wanted five cars. It's looking like it's going down to four, dude. <laughs> so he ate it. <laughs> if he makes it to December with four cars, he's killing it. My, uh, my, uh, my babysitter goes, man, it's a long way to Christmas. <laughs> you really already work in that angle. I'm like, anything. <laughs> That's so good. So good. Um, I think, I guess part of being in the public eye for you means that people think they can kind of have an opinion like they did when you fell pregnant. Mm. And, you know, AJ Rochester recently called you out on television, things like that. Yeah, yeah, People yeah. write stories about you and your husband. How do you deal yeah, with we're, that? Yeah, we're, we're separated at the oh. moment. We got married in Tahiti a couple of years ago. <laughs> Shock announcement. <laughs> what? <laughs> it's just full on. How do you deal with it? Uh, not well sometimes. Mm. Sometimes it really hurts. Sometimes it really, really hurts. And then other times you just go, oh, please, shut mm. up. Come mm-hmm. on. It just depends on the story. Um, there's been really hateful hurtful stories that have taken me, you know, like a day to get over and mm. it's still knocking around in my head several days later. Mm-hmm. Uh, Steve's so good with that. He's just like, Mish, you know, and, and he's right, um, of course, uh, and I let it go um, and I just have to look around at the support and the people that I have and, who, and I know who I am mm. and I know who we are. Yeah. Do you ever feel like you want to respond or do you just go to ground? Uh, the, with that, no. <laughs> no. Because no. no. Um, there's been times that I felt like I haven't. And you touched on briefly that you went through a bit of a tough time when you were younger. Did that drive you to exercise? Uh, look, I think it's a, it's a myriad of things. And maybe that was a, a way of self-protection was my sport. Mm. I never was an exerciser as such when I was a kid played sport and I loved it, you know, the things that it gave me. And I probably threw myself into it even more um, because I'd come from a fairly, I you know, I got everything as a child really. I got everything I wanted. I got love and that was the most important thing. But my parents split up when I was quite young um, uh, and it, it was hard for as it is for every child that, that has that. Um and so with that, I found that uh, it was the sport that I really kind of found myself. And then because we were, we moved a few times at school, I got bullied around at school quite a bit because I was a new kid, you know, it's very easy. Like, hey, mm. we all got bullied at mm. school. I'm not new to that. Um, but we moved around to several different schools. So, so I copped it, always copped it. And so the way that I could sort of shine – 
and sort of say, hey, I'm, 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 I'm okay. And look at me. I can do sport and I can be really good at sport was kind of my, my way to shine was, was to play in all the sports and be really good at it. It's clever, really. You, you know, you wear your strong and confident. You show that bit. Yeah. Not the bit where you, you know, you're the new person and you're still trying to figure out your friendship groups. You don't really yeah. have to do that as much in sport. You can just get out there and play. Yeah. And, but the other aspect to it, which kind of just was natural was it was a way that I could just get lost mm. in, in, in myself in playing sport. The, the things that I learned from sport were, were what set me up, I think, for where I am today. Lots of other things, my family and, um, and some, some strong mentoringship from my mom and from my grandmother. But certainly sport, I learned really quickly from the ages of about seven or eight that, uh, how to be, how to compete, how to be a star player, but also strive to be a team player, how to be accountable how to be responsible, how to win, how to lose. <laughs> important, very important. Massive lessons, right? These are the lessons that we all want our children to have because we're all still going through them now in our in our adult lives, in our careers. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was my sport that really I, I really kind of got that from. And so when I went to my last high school, which was Nelson Bay High, and I was 14, and there were kids on a Wednesday afternoon who weren't participating in sport and they were pretending to do their homework while the teacher watched over them. I went to my school mistress and pitched the idea to teach fitness classes to them. <laughs> and she said, I know who you are, Michelle, and I know how much you love your sport. So if you're willing to give up your sport Wednesday afternoon to do that, I'll give you the green light. So that's when I started teaching fitness. Amazing. At 14. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. And I thought I was – I went down to the local squash centre after doing this for a term and said to the guy that worked there – that owned it. Um, I can teach fitness. No pay. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm 14. Yeah. Hi, I'm Michelle Bridges from Nelson Bay. Hi, I'm 14 years old. I teach fitness and I'm really good. <laughs> and I can fill the squash court down the end there that's always empty. And so he let me. I mean, he must have been on drugs. <laughs> Because like, who would let loose a 14-year-old? It sounds like a pretty good business proposition that you're filling an empty space. Yeah, so I think I got in. paid like $3 a class. <laughs> I was making money. <laughs> and I was wearing leg warmers and a G-string on the outside of my tights. So I thought I was the Killing shit. it. <laughs> so good. Um, you launched um, 12-week um, body transformation years ago. This has been going on for quite some time. How yeah. do you kind of – keep reinventing yourself as things change in the health and wellness space. Yeah, sure. Um, th- this was something that, that came about because I was on Loser. Everyone wanted me to train them and I wanted to train them, but I couldn't. I loosely worked with some clients on email mm-hmm. and I just thought there's got to be something here. Um, so in 2010, uh, it kind of came together. It was basically – the book that I'd written, Crunch Time, my very first book, and I'd sat, like, just poured my life into that book, like, poured everything into that book. And I go back into, into that book even today and think, wow, that was pretty cool. <laughs> that was a great book. And so that book became the 12-week body transformation because I'd written it for 12 weeks. Right. So everything, so it basically came to life online. And, um, I was adamant about how this business was going to be. Like I was really clear, really clear, uh, to the point where my accountant and I mean, it, it kind of threw people off. They were like, what? So I said, we're all going to start together and we're all going to finish together. And, um, and that's how it's going to work. And my accountant goes, 
So you're effectively going to close your doors for three to four months of your business? And I went, yeah, because that doesn't make any commercial sense whatsoever. I said, I don't care. It's not about money. This is about, this is about community. This is about inclusiveness. This is about we doing this together. And um, that's the way it's going to be. So that's the way it went. And what I didn't realize today is what had happened was we had a great product. We got phenomenal results and I knew that we would. We created community. And we created urgency, which I'm, I wouldn't classify myself as a, that savvy. I'd like to pretend like, oh, yeah, I knew that was going to happen. <laughs> no, I didn't realize. But at the time it did because we'd shut the doors and people were like, I want in, I want in. So what we what we now have. It's created that urgency in the sense to get in. Yeah. yeah. It was mind-blowing. Mm-hmm. We didn't have any marketing. It was all underground. Like, it was all guerrilla. It was mm-hmm. all just you know he, um, people talking to each other. What the hell have you done? I've done this thing that Michelle Bridges, tell me all about it. And that's sort of how it went. And so then in the end, we had, we had four rounds a year. So we'd shut the door and you had to wait till the next one. Um, but now we've opened up to eight rounds. So we've effectively, op- there's still doors. The doors still close, mm-hmm. but there's just more doors mm-hmm. and it okay. just creates community. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't like it was a big, massive business strategy. It was just because I've come from the roots of working with people yeah. and I wanted people to feel safe and I wanted them to feel included and I wanted them to feel that they had others around them rallying together and that we were all moving, you know, as one big group and there was camaraderie because that's how I operate. Mm-hmm. And little did I know that that's what would be the absolute success of the business and, and why it went absolutely gangbusters. It's amazing. Our next round for 12-week body transformation starts on Monday the 17th of June. And, you know, if anybody's out there sort of thinking, oh, should I, should I, should I, just do it. There's something in there for everyone. You don't have to follow it perfectly, but people say, oh, it's a long time, it's 12 weeks. I chose that because you start to embed some really good habits and unravel some ones that have been holding you back. And you don't have to stick to it like verbatim. You can ease back on the exercise if you need to and just really go hard on your nutrition or really get into the nutrition or you can, you know, balance out your nutrition. You can still go out and eat. You can still drink. Uh, it's it's really just about learning some new fresh guidelines and parameters around how to look after yourself. How do you balance it all? Yeah, you? I don't. <laughs> I just want to let you know. <laughs> I turned up today and actually had to stop and think, did I put underwear on? <laughs> <laughs> yes, thank God. <laughs> Tick. <laughs> um, I'm not wearing mascara, but I did have lipstick in the car, so I was doing that. Um, you know, like I don't really balance it. And I think that whole balanced life thing is just bullshit. bullshit. Yeah, I totally agree. <laughs> that bullshit about you can have it all. Like, what does that even mean, no, really? No. Like, have it all to who and when? I don't want to have it Different all. Different every you week. You can have it. <laughs> I'll have just this bit. Yeah, you can yeah, have all yeah, that. Yeah. And, I, and I'm actually writing my new keynote at the moment and I talk about that. Mm. Like, I don't want to have it all. If you could give your son one piece of advice about growing up into the man that he'll become, if you could tell him one thing or pass on a lesson that you've learned, what would that be? Be kind. That's probably my number one. Be kind, be gentle to yourself and to others. Yeah. That is like if he, if he can if he can grow up to being being a kind and a gentle man, then my I feel like my job's done. Absolutely. Thank you, Michelle. Thank you. So nice chatting to you. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> we've laughed, we've, we've cried. cried. <laughs> <laughs> 
Thanks so much for listening. I'm Keshni Kemp and this is Raw Talks. If you enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to like, subscribe, and of course, share with your friends. We'll see you next time. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.